inspiration. Turn up the motivation. You're on the Ziggler Inspire podcast. Zig Ziggler wants you to be your best. Welcome to Zig Ziglar's Inspire Podcast. This is your host, Blake Lindsay. Today we will listen to the last of a series called How to Stay Motivated. Zig will retell a great story about Ben Hoover. Let's turn it up and listen to Zig. Fellas, ladies, I cannot begin to tell you what it meant to me to have a cheerleader cheering me on every day of my life and praying for me every night of my life, even as she at this very moment is praying for me. I simply want to say that having a person with that kind of uh, backing does make a difference. You see, the giant Belgian horse on its own can pull 8,000 pounds. Hook him up with another giant Belgian horse. The team will pull 18,000 pounds. Send him off to school. Teach him to pull in harmony. The team will pull over 25,000 pounds. As you remember, in the early part of this series, I fitted you with a very special pair of glasses. I'm going to encourage you now, put that pair of glasses back on. Get that qualities of success card out. And particularly for you men, I want you to start claiming those qualities over and over with more excitement, more enthusiasm. Because you see, the more you claim those qualities, the more you will have them, the more you have them in yourself, the more you'll be able to see them in your wife if you're married, your employees if you're not, your brothers or your sister or the people you live with. You see them in yourself. It's easier to see them in others. And you treat people exactly like you see them. So incredibly important. What's going to happen is this, for those of you who are married, and obviously I know an awful lot of people who listen to this are not going to be married, are not married at the moment, but I simply want to say this, exactly the same principle applies as you claim these qualities. You will deal more effectively with every person you're in contact with, and that's what's going to make the difference. I want to simply say this, had I been on trial for my life, Had you been my judge and jury, even as you listen to these recordings, had you commissioned me and said, now, Ziegler, you've got nearly 20 hours in this series. I want you to tell me what you honestly believe I need to know in order for me to reap the most out of life itself, every phase of life. Had my life been on trial at stake, I would have said to you the things I have said in this series Since so much of it is wrapped up in a story I told in the very first series, I want to conclude by telling you the story again. When little Ben Hooper was born, all those years ago, in the foothills of East Tennessee, little boys and girls who had no idea who their daddies were were ostracized. They were treated horribly. By the time the little guy was three years old, the other children would scarcely play with him. Uh, parents were saying insane things like, what's a boy like that doing playing with our children? As if the child had anything at all to do with his own birth. When he was six years old, they put him in the first grade. They did not have kindergarten in those years. They put him in first grade. They gave him a little desk as they did all the children. And at recess, he would stay in his desk because by then none of the children would play with him. Saturday was his toughest day of all. Uh, His mom would take him down to the little general store to buy supplies for the week. There were always other children uh, there and other parents, and invariably one of them would uh, make some caustic comment, what's a boy like that doing around here? Or else they would say, did you ever figure out who his daddy is? He had a tough childhood 
When little Ben was 12 years old, a new preacher came to that little church in the foothills of East Tennessee. And almost immediately, uh, Ben started hearing people talking about him, about how friendly and warm he was, how non-judgmental he was, how he accepted each person as they were, how when he would walk into a room, the attitude, the atmosphere, the spirits would pick up. He just had that charisma that makes the difference. He liked to be around people like that. One Sunday, though, he had never been to church a day in his life, Little Ben Hooper decided to go. He got there late. He left early. He did not want to attract any attention at all, but he liked what he heard. He was back there the next Sunday, the next, the next, the next, and the next. On about the sixth or seventh Sunday, he had always been getting there late. He had always been leaving early. He did not want to attract any attention at all. The message was so moving, so encouraging, so powerful and inspiring. It was almost as if there were a sign behind the minister's face that said, For you, little Ben Hooper, of unknown parentage, there is hope for you. And I'll remind you again, if there's hope in the future, there is power in the present. Ben got so wrapped up in the message, he did not even realize that a number of people had come in and sat down behind him. He forgot all about the time, and suddenly the church services were over. He stood up as did everyone else. He started to try to run out, but his passageway was blocked. He was trying to work his way through the crowd when he felt a hand on his shoulder. He turned, he looked around, he looked up. He was looking right into the eyes of the young minister who asked him a question which had been on the minds of every person there for the last 12 years. Whose boy are you? Instantly the church grew deathly quiet. You could hear the proverbial pin drop. Then slowly a smile started to spread across the face of the young minister until it broke into a huge grin as he said, Oh, I know whose boy you are. Why, the family resemblance, it is unmistakable. You are a child of God. And with that, The young minister swatted him across the rear and said, that's quite an inheritance you've got there, boy. Now go and see to it that you live up to it. Many, many years later, little Ben Hooper said that was the day he was elected governor of the state of Tennessee and later re-elected. You see, the picture had changed. He had gone from being a child of unknown heritage to a child of the king. I've got to confess that on July the 4th, 1972, though I had lost my earthly father when I was five years old, I took God up on his offer and became a child of the heavenly king. I confessed Christ as Lord. That's when everything in my life changed. That changes hearts. And when you change hearts, that's what changes life. Close with a question and a challenge. Whose boy are you? Whose girl are you? Oh, I know whose child you are. Why the family resemblance? It is unmistakable. You 
are a child of the king. That's quite an inheritance you've got there. Now go and see to it that you live up to it. Because if you do, I'll see you. And yes, I really do mean you at the top. Thank you and God bless you for being here. Thank you. What a story. I think that Zig asked a great question for us to answer this week. Whose child are you? If you would like to know more about being a child of God, you can contact us at customercareatziggler.com, and we will be happy to give you more information. Until next week, this is Blake Lindsay encouraging you to live your life to the fullest. Ziggler. Ziggler. Inspiring true performance.